Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's interview with Tom Andriola, Vice Chancellor for IT at UC Irvine. In this segment, Andriola talks about how his team is incorporating daily huddles to navigate what has become a dynamic environment. The one factor leaders can't overlook, especially during a crisis, and how the individual systems that comprise UC Health are working together to leverage size and scale for value. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare. See your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. From the leadership standpoint, this does present challenges for a lot of leaders who are you know, really trying to manage their staff appropriately, whether that means letting some people work remotely. And I feel like there, there's a lot of having to kind of think on the fly. And I think that that highlights some of the really important criteria of leaders, especially in this industry. Yeah, so I would say thinking on the fly wouldn't be the term I would use because I would say that we have adopted almost a wartime mentality. We have a couple of stand-up meetings where we get together as a leadership every day because it is a dynamic environment and the information that we're getting, whether it's information about the spread of the disease or information that maybe the local government organization has passed a new ordinance or announced a public health emergency, or in the case of the Bay Area, you know, a shelter-in-place designation. So the fact that there's so much dynamic information, it requires us as leaders to really have that daily huddle type of approach, which we're now doing twice a day, just so we can deal with the broad implications of this. So it's not on the fly as much as it is dealing with the fact that it's a dynamic environment that's literally changing every day with new understandings and new situations that we have to adapt to, and then trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how do we respond to what's right in front of us, which we have to, while at the same time thinking about a little bit down the road. So we are moving, in addition to trying to send our residential uh, student population home as high a percentage as possible, we're also designating our employees as essential and non-essential, meaning essential means you have to be at your office, at your place of work. Non-essential means you can go remote and work from home. So be part of self-isolation, work from home designation. So we've gone through that exercise as an organization. But with that, and and in our case, we're already seeing, even though we haven't fully implemented that, that the number of people who are trying to connect in through the virtual private network to get access to resources, yesterday was 4x the typical number. And we haven't even gone full-blown, right? So we may see when we go full-blown, 10x. Well, it created some instability within the system that we had to then figure out how to scale the service. We're also seeing this with some of the core systems that are being used, that now there are many more people hitting it from remote, and uh, how do we measure the service, right? So we're really thinking about the scalability of some of our services. I mean, we're all using Zoom now. I mean, the entire world is going to Zoom. So that has made us think about how do we scale Zoom? 
because we want people to use it. But also, if we have every professor at 9 a.m. on Monday teaching his or her course via Zoom with synchronous interaction with students sitting all over the state, that's not going to go well. So how do we train professors to do lecture capture post and move their courses into an asynchronous mode? So I'm pulling an offsite tomorrow basically to say we have a week between when finals end and when the new quarter begins. Let's think about all of the scaling challenges we're likely to experience and what can we control and what can we influence and what do we have absolutely no, no influence over and really yeah. understand that and say, we've got a week that we can do what we can do before, you know, we start with 32,000 undergraduate mm-hmm. students all basically taking their classes remote. So that's what's coming on the 30th. Yeah. The 30th will be basically... 30 plus thousand undergraduate students taking their courses from remote. And then there's no going back, right? Um, So that's to give you a real example of scaling of the technology is something that I think every CIO, regardless of what industry you're in, is dealing with new dimensions that they haven't necessarily had before this all started. Right. Yeah, there's going to be so many lessons learned down the road. Um, after the death is somewhat settled because of the unique nature of this situation. Yeah, yeah I think and for CIOs, one of the things, depending on what industry you're in, is this concept of the pandemic is going to force us to accelerate the use of technologies to enable things that the traditional model has been face-to-face. And how do you think about freezing the new norm, back to becoming the new norm. Because again, that, right. that's a strategic topic. And because if not thought about strategically, it'll be too easy for when, when the pandemic ends to just, and now everything will go back to normal. And what we're really right, looking right. for is, does it make sense to adopt the new normal? And in some cases, the answer may be no. But in a lot of cases, especially in healthcare, where we're trying to do a better job of matching the right model of care for the right patient in the right situation and move that to the lowest cost care interaction based on the situation of the individual patient, we may find that this new norm might create a more effective healthcare system that balances cost Mm -hmm. and quality. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The other thing we're seeing a lot of, unfortunately, are vulnerabilities and cybersecurity. And that, I guess, really just goes to show that it's something that can never take a a backseat. And I'm not saying it does, but with every consideration, cybersecurity has to be right up there. Yeah, I mean, it's real easy at times like this when everyone's rushing to the crisis to just not think about it, not think about the implications, right? not do the same cyber hygiene things that we've been really training your organizations to do. We've been trying to think about that. And and when we take steps to do things, think about, wait a minute, have we thought through the cyber implications of this? Have we thought about that it's going to force us to open new ports and that may make us more vulnerable? Is there something that in the messaging around this, that the cyber syndicates, the bad actors out there may take advantage of from the standpoint of getting in there with phishing campaigns? And we're already seeing some of that. And we've got a pretty robust network across the University of California with our campuses and medical centers where we share information pretty quickly when we see these type of phishing campaigns pop up. 
And then we have some technology partners who really then help us isolate these websites. So, for example, there was one website that was coming in and and, uh, with the help of our technology partner, they identified the site for us and we blacklisted it across all of our locations because Mm -hmm. they had had some early success kind of spoofing some um, messages coming from the CDC. Right, right. And that's where or having that that infrastructure and having that ability to to share data quickly um, really comes into play. Yeah, it's a combination of technology and human coordination, those human networks of being able to connect and share information and say, hey, we just saw this. Everyone else should be aware of this and really shortening the time span between when we recognize something and when we're able to respond to something. That's been a huge focus of our cyber program our cyber risk program over the last four years. Right. And just just for a little bit of um, information about how how it works as far as you kind of sit on top of six different CIOs. How does that work in terms of how you uh, work with and and communicate with them? Yeah, so let me explain this a little bit, right? So, you know, I have my vice chancellor role at UC Irvine, but I still maintain mm-hmm. a UC-wide role as the chief information officer of UC Health, which is the okay. umbrella of the six health systems that exist under the, the university umbrella, right? So that's, you know, San Francisco, Davis, LA, Irvine, San Diego, and a small one at Riverside. And I convene those CIOs of each of those sites on a, on a monthly basis. And we have a program that is we, we just call Leverage Scale for Value, which is everything from how do we leverage our size and scale to do everything from bend cost curves to learn and share and deploy capabilities more quickly. And that's everything from we buy things together to we deploy cyber capabilities together to the way that we're doing virtual care enabled through Zoom and MyChart, we're actually implementing that in similar ways because, you know, we have kind of a blueprint that's then being copied by each of the UC health systems. So I'm the coordinator. So so I, I hold that second title to coordinate the activities across the five, something we've been doing for four plus years now and has generated tens of millions of dollars of cost savings and cost avoidance for the health systems in a time where Managing cost and uh, the cost of care and the cost of organization is important in the U.S. healthcare market, but it's also becoming increasingly strategic, right? Because under that program is where we developed our patient data repository, which represents all patients within the University of California and 16 million unique patient identifiers that have been treated at one of our, our six health systems. Right. Okay. So when you talked before in the more general terms of your own roles as really, you know, being able to, to add strategic input to the table as a CIO, a big part of that is having the pulse of um, what these other six systems, everything that they're doing and their needs. So it's uh, it's really kind of being their representative, I guess. Is that is that a good way to yeah. put it? I would put it two ways, right? So one is mm-hmm. to be the term I use is the impresario, right? So I'm like the conductor of getting the band members to play together because uh, they all have their own instruments and they are a little different. You know, UCLA is different than UC Davis, right? Patient populations are different, kind of size and scales of the organizations are different. UCLA has a lot more primary care in its network than UC Davis does, where UC Davis affiliates for a lot of its primary care activity. So they are different, right? So the coordination between them is really important to figure out where we can actually 
learn from each other, share capabilities, even share resources. The other mm-hmm. part of it is also getting us to link what we're working on to the larger enterprise strategies for the university, right? So we're all trying to cascade down things that we're doing around COVID-19 to the individual health systems. And so some of the big things in the last couple of days is everyone's trying to build kind of their COVID dashboard. And they are, yeah. they are looking a little bit different. Everyone's kind of maybe grabbing a different set of metrics. Maybe someone is putting testing as the primary thing they're looking at another. They're looking at ICU bed, what the ICU bed utilization and, and isolation looks like. And so, you know, we're sharing those because it helps everyone think about, well, what could I be putting together to show our executive team that might give them a comfort level that we're doing the right things and we're doing enough of those right things to respond to the crisis. So keeping a pulse on what the executive suite is looking for, and then also figuring out how we can scale good things that we're doing so that all five could be doing them as quickly as possible. Right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'd like to follow up again in the future to to talk about some of the other priorities. But uh, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate taking the time to uh, speak with us. Not a problem. Not a problem. Anytime. All right. Great. Well, uh, safe trip and um, I will be in touch. Thank you. Be safe. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.